0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. The federal government has announced that Australia is in advanced discussions with a number of companies over acquiring a potential coronavirus vaccine. But how close are scientists to actually making one? And does it matter who gets there first? Today, senior reporter for the Saturday paper Rick Morton on the global race for a vaccine. Rick, the last time that we spoke about a vaccine was back in March, which feels like a lifetime ago now, and you had spoken to some Australian scientists who were working on a possible candidate. Uh, So how is that going?
1: look, they're doing pretty good. Um, They're doing okay. So the team of scientists, they're from the University of Queensland, and they've developed this candidate vaccine and um, they'd moved into trials. And just um, last week, they actually began administering the second dose to about 80 study participants. And they're actually using a lot of UQ students and staff who have volunteered for the study, which is a great vote of faith and vote of confidence, I guess, in, in the work that they're doing. So... The first results won't be available until kind of mid to late October and the final results won't be available until December. You know, that's how long it takes to run the study and do the required analysis. So we're not there yet. And by all means, you know, they're not the only candidate in the world right now. There are 160 candidate vaccines for COVID-19 currently being developed and registered with the World Health Organisation. So it's a monumental global effort at the moment.
0: And one of those is the the Russian vaccine and they have actually just announced that they've had success with it. So tell me about that.
1: Uh, yes, so that is definitely what Russia has announced, which um, it came out of nowhere, really.
2: Russia is claiming victory in the race to find a COVID vaccine.
0: The vaccine will be rolled out across Russia from October with health workers, teachers and the vulnerable treated first.
2: We
1: knew that they were working on something behind the scenes, but uh, Vladimir Putin and um, the Ministry of Health came out and they said that they've got a vaccine, it's safe, it's tolerable. To ask and Putin actually claims that one of his adult daughters has received a dose of this vaccine, which has been developed by uh, researchers at Russia's Gamalaya Research Institute. They've actually, like, dubbed this vaccine, Sputnik V, after Russia's, you know, great success or Soviet success putting a satellite in space for the first time. It's got this beautiful little website. It's got all the bells and whistles. When you open it up, it's got this little audio feature and it just has the ping, kind of the beeping of the original Sputnik satellite. And so it's beautiful. And they're calling it the world's first registered COVID-19 vaccine and, and saying that it's proven and they intend, according to this website and according to the Russian Ministry of Health, they intend to start mass production next month in September and they want to use it on the Russian population.
0: So how has the announcement of this vaccine been received outside of of Russia by the international
1: community? Um, It's probably too strong to say it's received international condemnation, but it's not far from it. I mean, this announcement has raised suspicions around the world. Um, it was a shock announcement because in, in the field of more than 160 vaccines in development, the Russian product hadn't even made it out of phase one clinical trials. And the study results that they were doing from those phase one clinical trials, they're based on not a very good study setup, So they're not randomised control trials. And they weren't even due for completion, according to their own estimation, until uh, Saturday, just gone, August 15. And they've only tested it in 38 people, which is another issue (laughs) for such an early kind of stage trial. So Russia appears to be using this uh, initiative as kind of a soft power diplomatic push. Because one of the features of this Sputnik Five website that I was looking at has a kind of a a media section where, and it claims there's under a big headline, it's like forbidden op-ed. And it claims that, you know, all Western media have rejected an approach to publish this forbidden opinion piece written about the Sputnik moment and the nation's willingness, quote unquote, to cooperate with the international community. So the announcement raises more questions answers, to be quite honest. And many experts doubt Russia's claims. They still believe that the world's best chance at an inoculation to prevent COVID-19 will come from two candidates currently in the third phase of clinical trials. And one of those is from Britain and the other one is from China.
0: Mm. And so there's hope that these two vaccines uh, in the UK and in China could actually be the real deal?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're both massive efforts. And so we've got researchers from Oxford University. And then you've got researchers from Cancino Biologicals, so, Ox- so Britain and China, and they've both published results on the same day online in The Lancet, which is a leading um, medical journal. And they're both using large randomized control samples. So the British study is a single blind study where the participants don't know what drug they're being given. The China study is a double blind study, which is gold standard, where neither of the researchers nor the participants know whether they've been given the candidate vaccine or a placebo. So they've got these control groups and, you know, they're really advanced. So in the Oxford study, there's more than a 1,000 participants and in the China study, there's more than 600. Last Tuesday, Australia's Acting Chief Medical Officer, Professor Paul Kelly, told reporters that he was hopeful about the Oxford vaccine. The Oxford vaccine that you've mentioned before would be in my top... Top six, perhaps, of uh, vaccines that are are most developed and most hopeful. But, you know, he warned that there is still a long road ahead and no-one here has a crystal ball. There is certainly more uh, science to be done in terms of making sure that they are safe and that they are effective. Um, We don't know which candidate will be first. We don't know whether there will be two or three that make it over the finish line around about the same time, and that's a discussion then that Australian authorities need to have about getting our hands on those vaccines.
0: We'll be back after this. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating visionary, reformer, and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable
2: evening. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup made in collaboration with Fresco for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes.
0: Rick, there are two promising vaccine trials that are currently underway. Let's talk about the one in Oxford first. What do we know about it?
1: So Oxford University is using what we call a chimpanzee adenovirus as a platform for the delivery of its vaccine candidate. So this is a very common virus. The adenovirus kind of platform for any vaccine manufacturer is one of the most common in the world. So they cut out a section of the adenovirus and they insert the full length copy. In this case, they're inserting the full length copy of the code for the spike protein. The spike protein is a little crown of thorns and it gives the coronavirus its name. That's where the corona is a crown. And it's also the protein against which the human body produces an immune response. So when this protein gets into the human body, ordinarily, if you've got coronavirus, it's this spike protein that allows the virus to fuse with the host cell. It's like a little harpoon and it kind of fires off into the host cell and then draws them together like these two pirate ships having a battle at sea and then using the spike protein, it gains access to the cell. So this is the danger part of the RNA virus. And it's also the part that we can teach the human body to recognise and to fight using a vaccine before you ever get SARS-CoV-2. So the results were published online in The Lancet on July 20. And the paper says the vaccine in this stage was safe, tolerated and immunogenic. And Immunogenic is essentially just a word for it produces the right immune response. So we're talking humoral immune response and cellular. And there are only minor or moderate side effects and they were both easily treated with 500 milligrams of paracetamol.
0: And so the vaccine that's being developed in China, is that following this, this same kind of strategy of creating, I guess, a sort of fake protein to, to provoke an immune response or is it doing it differently?
1: Yeah, no, it's it's almost the same model, but they're just using a slightly different version of the adenovirus, which is a adenovirus type 5. It's the most common vaccine platform in the world. The China study involved 603 volunteers who received a single jab and researchers, again, in The Lancet said that it induced significant immune responses in the majority of recipients. So the interesting thing about the China vaccine is that it didn't appear to have as strong an effect in elderly patients. And again, that's something that we're going to have to consider because that's obviously one of the most at risk groups when it comes to infection from COVID-19 and death from COVID-19. So these are phase three studies. They're very close to being finished. But what they do now is they go and test for efficacy. So the vaccines that have been produced um, so far out of Britain and and China, they show us fighting COVID-19. They show these responses very clearly. But what they don't necessarily show yet is whether they prevent you from getting it. Mm -hmm. And that's key. If you listen to the Lancet's editor-in-chief, Richard Horton, he said that even though these are good results, we still don't have a fully functional and viable vaccine.
2: What these results are telling us are that these two candidate vaccines are safe. There were no major adverse reactions from either vaccine.
1: He also warned that 2021 is the most optimistic estimate of when a vaccine could be
2: developed. I think we should be optimistic about the direction of travel we're going in, but not so ambitious that we think we're going to get a vaccine, um, for example, by the end of the year. If we have a vaccine by the end of 2021, we will have done incredibly well.
0: So... Rick, China and the UK are the furthest along, but basically everyone worldwide is looking for a vaccine at the moment. So does it matter who gets there first?
1: It it, it really does. (laughs) It really, really does. You know, there's a danger in the fact that the global race to find a vaccine is so fragmented. So experts are worried that this alone creates a question over equality in terms of access. And, you know, Horton from The Lancet says that if the richest countries get the vaccine first, the countries with the most power and capital, then that might impact accessibility from less wealthy nations.
2: Governments have a first duty to protect their own publics, their own people, and so they're going to do the best they can to make sure they've got enough vaccine for if, it, if and when it comes to protect their people. But the danger of that is that, that many countries will lose out and only the strongest country, um, the country with the most money, will win.
1: You know, the, the World Health Organisation is trying to sort this out by getting countries to sign on to an agreement, and that's been done in the past with influenza vaccines and, and things like that. But again, if the vaccine doesn't get distributed in the right way to start with, then... Some people may get favourable access and some people who need it the most may not.
2: Right now, there is a real danger that those groups most at risk will not get fairly or equitably treated um, if a vaccine does become available. And that should be a cause of not just global concern, but actually global shame...
0: And Rick, once a vaccine is actually found to to be viable, that is only the first step, right? So, what what happens after that?
1: Yeah, so that's the multi billion dollar question. So. Finding a vaccine is great, we need it, but we also need to make it. We need to manufacture it for everyone in the world, or almost everyone. So we're going to need billions of doses of this thing. And Australia is only just last week committed to boosting manufacturing capacity to meet the potential requirements for vaccine production, pending which ones become successful. So that also matters. So depending on the vaccine and which platform they're using, there are different requirements for the manufacture. Each one has to be set up differently. So that matters, and we need to be thinking ahead in terms of where we have the manufacturing capacity, whether it's even in Australia. We don't know.
0: And so, Rick, it sounds like despite the fact that there's 160 vaccines in development, we're still a long way off. You said that 2021 is the earliest that we could even hope to see something
1: successful. That's certainly seeming likely. And look, look, there's been a lot of talk about people saying maybe we'll never get one. These things take time. The fastest we've ever delivered a vaccine from start to finish for any virus in the world was the Zika virus, and that was 18 months. I mean, that's amazing, but it's a completely different virus. It's not a coronavirus. And we've had other coronaviruses in the world before, and we haven't had vaccines that work for them. So certainly the studies from Britain and China have kind of taken us to a new kind of understanding. So they are the most rigorous, they are the largest, and they've given us a pathway forward. So before those results were published on July 20, it was really an open question about whether we would get a vaccine. Now it seems likely that we will. It's just a matter of when. Already the, the odds have changed in our favour. But again, we're finding things out about this virus as we go along. If we make some progress on this and if we get a vaccine, that is a, a monumental step forward for humanity. If you want to look for a note of hope in any of this... This is the biggest scientific cooperative research effort that has ever gone on in the world. And at the moment, you know, we're making really good progress.
0: Rick, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thanks, Ruby. I really appreciate it.
0: Also in the news, health authorities in New South Wales have expressed concern about the spread of coronavirus in the state after testing rates dropped to their lowest number in more than a month yesterday. Despite smaller numbers of new coronavirus infections being reported daily, the Premier and Chief Health Officer said they were anxious that the virus was continuing to spread undetected through community transmission. They called on everyone with symptoms to get tested. And the Inquiry into Victoria's hotel quarantine program has finally gotten underway. It heard evidence yesterday that the scheme was put together in 48 hours and it still wasn't clear who was in charge. In opening statements, the council assisting the inquiry, Tony Neal, said the program fell short of its goal of preventing returned overseas travellers spreading COVID-19 to the community. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you
2: tomorrow.